0: You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll impact the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Well, hey there. I'd like to welcome everyone to Legally Blissed Conversations and a very warm welcome today to Sarah Weiss. Sarah is a recovering in-house counsel turned legal designer and entrepreneur. After seven years working as an in-house lawyer and a strong interest in legal design and content creation, she's made a career shift by doing two things. An employed role in the legal tech space as a legal design manager, where she cross-collaborates with different functions to make legal stuff better, and making the leap into entrepreneurship. She excels at transforming legal content into user-friendly and innovative materials. Welcome again, Sarah. I am so happy to get to hang out with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. Yeah, so you have kind of an unconventional career right now, but I want us to go back just a couple of years um, to, Sarah going to law school what made you decide to um to go and to go to law school
1: I think um on that note it won't be very unconventional because I think most people you know when you are a teenager and uh, you, you kind of follow an educational route based on whatever your parents tell you to do and whatever the society dictates you to do and uh, so really my choices back then were really driven by you know yeah you know family pressure or you know you have to become a doctor a lawyer to uh, to make it in life um then the society obviously you know going to law school and listening to those professors again, you know, advising going to law school, because there is so many things you can do with the law degree. And on that note, I think they are probably they were right. Um, But yeah, it was very much following, you know, whatever people asked me to do. And, um, and then I think, um, initially, I really, I, I always wanted to work with people. That's the one thing, you know, I'm a people person and I thought, okay, you know, I really want to work with people. I had heard of human resources. I had heard of HR without really knowing what it was, but I assumed that it would be working with people. And I thought, you know, law law school is a safe path based on what I was told. And I like working with people. So maybe HR could be a good route, but let's not specialize too early. Let's go to law school, maybe dive into employment a little bit, and then maybe you know, um, do the shift from low to, to human resources. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's just how it all came up.
0: Yeah. So when you, how was your law school experience? Did you enjoy it? Oh no, that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So it's really funny because I had a podcast, um, recording yesterday with someone who was like, oh my God, I love law school. Right. And I, I'm kind of like you, right? Like I did, did not enjoy my law school experience. So it's fascinating that people have such different, uh, you know, feelings about their experience. What was it that you just didn't like about it?
1: The very theoretical aspect of it. It wasn't practical. I think that's the, and that, I think the first two years, I would say, it was really you know, like about legal principles. And yes, obviously you it takes time to master the legal reasoning. Um, but it was done in such a way that I was just dull and and boring and, and unnecessary, really, like too much information, you know, like too like consti- like I remember, you know, going through consti- the constitutional law and those things, and I, I was I was like, who cares? Like I, I don't want to, <laughs> to work in that real like. Why are we just bombarding with information? And and and, and I guess it's really kind of slapped me in the face. Um, and probably what really, without knowing, it kind of drove the rest of my career because I was always kind of a bit of a rebel uh, and kind of against the tradition of the legal industry in that sense, against information overload and uh, against anything that is unnecessary and core to what people want and need and. And it all started from there from, from from my law school experience the last three years um because i qualified in france were more interesting because i pursued a very particular degree really focused on the in-house legal profession and that's where we had much more practical practical workshops i did an apprenticeship the last year so i worked in-house for a year so i had a lot of work experience in-house and that's really was eye-opening for me. That's really where I started to see the relationship between law and, and business and, and and how it all translates. But uh but yeah, that was my experience.
0: I think it's interesting because I noticed your your face physically changed when you started talking about your in-house experience versus being in law school.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh definitely.
0: <laughs> no, and, okay, so I want to get into this because I I think this is really interesting. You you know, you went to law school kind of like, this is, there was some of that societal pressure, maybe some family pressure to go to law school. Um, But when you were there, you realized, okay, we are just being fed a bunch of information. That's not super practical for like everyday life. Right. And you probably didn't even, I mean, maybe you, you realized it even in the moment, but I'm sure you realized it more when you went in house. At what point were you like, I want to do something different here. Like you said that you kind of wanted to buck the system. You wanted to rebel. Like when was that? Where was that turning point in your practice?
1: It was when I started to work in house because I think in law school, again, not only you are fed with unnecessary information, you are also being pictured a very different vision of what the working life looks like for a lawyer. So you're kind of at the law school stage, you're kind of praised or, you know, you are Joining a profession of prestige and, um, and you know, and, and you're kind of being made. You're kind of being, yeah. You kind of feel special, really. Oh, you know, becoming a lawyer and you know, like you have this uh, a strong attachment to the title and the prestige that comes with it. But I really got slapped in the face when. <laughs> I started to work in-house because really that's where I realized how remote <laughs> this prestige and this perception was from the day-to-day life of an in-house lawyer. Because when you work in-house, it's not like when you are in a law firm, like you're just another colleague, <laughs> part of the organization, you're being asked to do A, B, and C, and that's how it's going to be. And and no one really cares much about your opinion. Um, and and um, And also legal departments, the ones i guess I've, I've i've experienced or even like when networking with other people they do suffer from a very poor reputation you know the the deal breakers the no sayers so that's really where i that, that that even that's this kind of rebellion um thing that i had kind of started to grow as well because i i was like no i mean this i just can't work this way there has to be a better way
0: okay so let's talk about it has, there has to be a better way. And I have a feeling this is kind of where that intersection of design and law arises for you. So let's, let's talk about that. What really prompted you to think I can make like legal contracts better, right? Like we don't have to have so much superfluous language. We can make this user-friendly and dare I say it, some of your contracts look kind of fun. Like I like to look, I've seen them. I'm like, these look really cool. So what what really prompted that? And like, what made you think I can make contracts accessible and almost like aesthetically pleasing?
1: So that came a lot later in my career because I think the first few years, obviously you need experience to, in order to do that. You need a, a, a sound uh, understanding of the low and the intricacies of it and the subtility of the words and um, so the first few years were really me learning how to be a lawyer in real life and how to be a practical lawyer working in-house because again that's very different from being uh, in in a law firm so the first few years I was just applying whatever I was told to do and uh, and some of and, and I guess I had a really good experience with that because obviously my managers were like you know you do not delay you know be practical be straight to the point so I resonated with that message, but I was I wasn't I couldn't at the time really come up with ideas of my own because I needed to roll my own, um uh really roll my own experience and 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 learn from it, so, and then what happened was, so when I I I then. Change jobs as and I, and I've become a sole counsel. So I jumped from being an in-house lawyer as part of a legal team, learning from others, so being a baby lawyer in that mold or to becoming a sole counsel in a very fast growing environment where nothing was was done. Like I had to do everything from scratch. and that really started to uh, mold me in a different way because I had to leverage what I had always learned. Or what I've learned so far, and repurpose it to 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 do my own thing uh, in a brand new environment uh, where everything is obviously needs to be done from scratch. So that's really where this creativity started to um, to to grow to to develop, I guess, and and this is where I had a lot of a lot more flexibility and freedom to to be more experimental and 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 with that came the confidence that actually yes, this is what I've learned. But is that is there a better way? And that's really where I started slowly to incorporate uh, visualization in training materials, doing infographics, so problem solving through design. That's really where it, it really started, and uh, and I got better at it obviously with 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 experience and and, and experiments and practice um, until yeah. Um, people st- I started to post those things on social media and, and and people started to reach out
0: so why is design important to you and how do you see it kind of intersecting with legal practice
1: i think it is important because again the, the people we are serving aren't legal professionals and they shouldn't have to be um and the practice of of law has always been very lawyer-centric, even though the users, the end users, most of the time aren't really lawyers. I mean, apart from, I guess, a situation where law firms work with in-house legal teams. But even then, the the end goal is always to serve the the, the wider business. So even though there's a, obviously the... the the middleman the legal department doing all the legwork of translation really that shouldn't be like we there has to be the big picture understanding that legal services on their own aren't really anything if if not for the people they they are are designed to serve so and they are designed to serve them so so i think that that's really where it's it came from you know the the I've just noticed a lack of user centricity, which led to frustrations as well, because people don't understand lawyers. Lawyers have a bad reputation, but for it's only because you know we we haven't really experienced anything different. And uh, I found in design a really powerful, impactful way of uh, addressing that issue.
0: How has your design been received by? the legal community at large and I'm going to say like in-house attorneys versus big law firm attorneys
1: it's a very interesting mix um I I, I've had all sorts that I I would say so people with a similar background so in-house counsel they really get it because they have they are facing similar challenges so they kind of understand where this comes from and and how this could be beneficial for a population of um of non legal savvy users. Um, on the law firm side, again, i have had really good feedback, but you always have this, um, I guess you know across the profession, but I've definitely received the, the almost the opposite reaction to it, as in uh, or, you know, like our our um profession or our knowledge is so precious and. And, and and technical and 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 you know how dare you you know just um, make a pizza out of a privacy policy? This is an acceptable <laughs> type of reaction, almost an active reaction to that practice. So you kind of have you know both um, mixed feelings. But I would probably say that in terms of proportion, the people who are who welcome that initiative are a lot, uh, are a lot bigger than those who were. Uh, who just don't get it.
0: That's awesome. And I think that there's some people that get it, and then the people that don't really get it just are never going to get it, right? <laughs> they're, they're probably not gonna be able to do anything to really convince them otherwise. So right now I'm curious who is your ideal client that you work with? So my my I think I'm
1: quite lucky because my ideal clients are actually the people I work with. Uh, so but they are forward thinking. Uh, legal departments um, law firms legal service providers such as legal operation firms and um, they, what they all have in common is a, a strong desire to problem solve and, and an openness to be experimental and try um, and it's and I'm quite aware that it's never going to be the vast majority of um, uh, of the, the the, the ecosystem of the legal industry but you know it's enough for me to make a living out of it so
0: well, that's good right uh, <laughs> How have, <long> <laughs> have you had any feedback from your clients regarding the receptivity of their clients right like just the, kind of the you know the end that the real end user of these right people who are not lawyers
1: yeah yeah i do because obviously you know something that i guess doesn't really show through cuz really what i post are the deliverables but there is a lot of research that goes behind it um and um you know let's designing um materials for for a sales team is going to be very different from designing materials for for, for procurement or finance for example so um so yeah but um like generally speaking um yeah business people do welcome this type of initiative because it, it it's and again it's not just those particular projects it's generally speaking they value the fact that they have a legal department or or even a law firm serving their customers who really try to push boundaries really try to do things better faster more efficiently who really try to remove the bottlenecks so what I do is a very small portion of a bigger, uh, drive to change. Uh, and usually the clients I work with are all up for, uh, technology, uh, digitization, like they, 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 they are, they have so many things going on at the same time and design is a very small portion of the, of a, of a big vision that they want to execute on. Uh, and, and, and usually it's for the benefit of, uh, business users, so. They are, they are quite happy.
0: That's awesome. So legal, the legal um, design, like you, you would consider this a subset of legal tech, right?
1: So they kind of work alongside. I would say that legal design really comes from design thinking, which is a methodology around um, problem solving through the human lenses. Um, and you need to have... Uh, a design thinking approach or human-centered approach to problem solving when you develop technology. Because at the end of the day, those humans are going to interact with with the product. So you have to understand what their pain points are in the first place. What are the things that they want solving? What are their objectives, their aspirations, their challenges? So you need to have this human-centered approach to develop good technology. So I would say that they definitely work together. The things that I do more, uh, more particularly would kind of come, would kind of address all the issues that technology doesn't really solve. Um, so, technology is great when it comes to uh, simplifying processes, uh, scaling processes as well, removing some very mundane manual tasks. But, what I what the things that I do are more to do with the actual materials, so h- how we can make them better, more understandable, easier to read it, and an action. Um, so, they kind of, I guess, complete one another, uh, but they are just things that technology can solve uh, on its own, and that's really where I come in.
0: So you probably work with a lot of people who, in a complementary capacity, who are in legal tech. What is that like, and what is that like in particular, um, being a female in that space? Because I'm sure there's not a lot of us. <laughs>
1: So surprisingly enough, in legal technology, because I I'm, I'm quite blessed to have a legal tech role as well, in the, and 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 there are uh, quite a lot of women, at least in the contract lifecycle management space, which is where I am at the moment. But um, there there are quite a lot of women. Um, I, I mean I haven't done the ratio, and I would probably assume that men are still obviously in majority, but um, there are um women part of the legal innovation space in general which is wonderful so you have women in design you have women in legal operations a lot a lot of women um and i think in terms of legal innovators i i, I probably know almost more women than men which is quite interesting uh, so women are really pushing boundaries um and it's uh and it's wonderful to see and the intersection between technology, design, and operation is amazing because you can see like how they like all of those disciplines combined can really uh, um, can really do wonderful results uh, on the on a law firm or a legal department
0: uh, processes, really. Let's take a quick pause for a message
2: from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition? From big law or partnership to a solo practice? Selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law. Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys, founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let prominent practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com/blist for an exclusive introduction.
0: Where do you get your inspiration for the work that you do?
1: So I would say designers,
0: other designers. Mm-hmm
1: designers because i mean this is what they do for a living and and they are just yeah i mean i i just love looking at, at inspirations and uh, before really getting into design i wasn't into pinterest and now pinterest is you know something that i just look at all the time and so i love uh, and so this is really where i get my inspiration from the world of designers the world of marketing as well because i do produce a lot of content on social media so i love looking at what all the uh, creators are doing, uh, especially marketing creators and design creators. Um, Very little from the legal industry.
0: Uh, Interestingly,
1: (laughs) that's not my inspiration. (laughs) No,
0: probably not, probably not. Um, So where do you see the future of design and legal going? I mean, I'm seeing you're, I feel like you're kind of at the cutting edge of this. Um, Where do you see it going in the future?
1: It's, it's very interesting um, because I don't know if it will ever become mainstream. If you had to ask me that question a year ago, I would have been a lot more optimistic, but it, I know it, it is becoming like more uh, trendy as a topic, people talking a lot about it, but whether people will really start adopting it um, as part of you know um, the, the day-to-day practice of law is a big question mark. Um, I kind of feel that it's probably too soon to tell I'm hoping that it's going to become more mainstream, and that you know the the, the day-to-day um, change will drive changes in the legal education itself, so that the next generation of legal professionals can be trained differently. But I kind of feel that because everything takes just so much time in the legal industry to change, I kind of feel that maybe it's always going to be a niche. Uh, within a, a fairly traditional practice yeah so i'm not sure
0: yeah uh, the legal industry it, is very slow to change right <laughs> very,
1: very slow and but i guess maybe maybe that that this is what was this was the case for legal technology i guess 10 years ago isn't it and now it's right it's coming much more mainstream and and we have very uh, solid legal technology actors in the in the space and more acquisitions going on and Mm -hmm. maybe we have to give it to give it another 10 years before it becomes something mainstream but at the moment I'm very kind of have mixed feelings around it I don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) ask you again in six months and maybe maybe you'll be more optimistic about it right because I, I mean technology changes quickly things change quickly but the legal industry is very slow to uptake anything so but who knows maybe that also will change we'll see time will tell. i will tell so what is um like when you kind of look at the overall arching problems in the legal industry what what problems do you see like what would you love to see kind of evolve or change about the practice of law um
1: more more experiments i would say i think uh, you know like people just overthink everything they do in, in our profession which i guess yes we we aren't really um a profession of creatives right because you know, some of the decisions that we make can affect people's lives and outcomes and and i get that but just because you know they are you have to you know risk manage uh, the legal outcomes doesn't mean that you should apply the same thinking to the way you deliver those services and the way you deliver those, those outcomes and achieve them. So I think I wish for the industry to be a lot more experimental, a lot more open to try You know, technology designs, all the disciplines that may uh, not replace what we are doing but complement it and make it better. Um, so that's really my wish for, for the industry, a, a much more iterative experimental mindset an openness to learn as well and, and upskill because that's another issue that I see a lot. Um legal professionals thinking that their um knowledge of the law will shield them from anything that, that could possibly go wrong and and and, and 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 all the changes that happen in a society. That is not true. Um legal information used to be a, a highly valuable um uh thing and now it's a commodity that can be searchable on google at the press of a button so it's really important i think to have this open mind being open to learn change iterates and being user focused being client focused
0: in ways that are different and and unique right like we lawyers in general need to kind of think outside the box when it comes to delivering their materials i'm curious What is next for you in your career with legal design and just in general?
1: So I think my, I, I found one of my sweet spots is, is with social media. Um, so I, I do train lawyers on, on mastering visual communication on, on, on social media for their practice area. And that is something that is working really well. Um, still, you have to convince people and there's a lot of uh, obviously legwork behind it. Uh, but I've had my few early adopters already. I've had really good successes for, for them. They are just thriving, on, on, especially on LinkedIn for their practice area. And that's something I really want to expand on and keep on empowering lawyers with those skills. Um, Legal design-wise, um, it's a bit more... I don't know what the market what the market needs and and wants, surprisingly. there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of discussions around it, but when it comes to selling it, it's very different. So I'm yet to see uh, where where is it in legal design, where 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 will I have the most impact? Is it in training people in, in upskilling? Is it in the delivery of certain legal design services? i'm i'm not too sure so i'm trying to i'm i'm doing both at the moment at the workshops and i do services for for law firms and legal teams but uh, i don't know yet it's uh it's very early and again something that we probably need a a part two on
0: (laughs) we can do that and that would be fun
1: Yeah, that would be quite interesting to, to listen back to the conversation.
0: Absolutely. It? Yeah, I definitely want to start kind of doing that when I roll out future seasons. Um, so okay, I, I have a couple of questions. If, if we have a just a few more minutes, if you um if you don't mind. Um this was a while back. I had seen a tweet from you because you know I stalked you on Twitter, and <laughs> I remember <laughs> you <laughs> you had said um you had created a piece of content for someone. And I remember like you had posted something about like your reaction to it. Do you remember that, po- do you remember that tweet? I, I, I should have pulled it, the exact uh, language from it. But uh, I, I just remember like your response was, it just, you were you were so happy. Like it was someone that you had impacted with your um, with some content that you created, and I thought that was such a cool. You're get getting... you're remembering now, aren't you? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> it, it, is this someone who changed her career? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, so I had posted, uh, and it's my most popular piece of content on LinkedIn as well. Which okay. I genuinely don't understand how this blew up, but that's just you, the one way never
0: it. knows. One never knows why certain things. You
1: I, it was genuinely something I did uh, in an hour like you know like I was in the in the in the tube slash subway at the time it was just something you know so like I just wanted to get something out quickly and yeah that's the beauty I guess of social you never know what's gonna work so I did a legal career what, what, what I call the legal career iceberg where um on the top of the iceberg is um you know what do you think? What people think they can do with the law degree, with all the traditional roles, you know, prosecutor and you know, partner in law all, et etc. And the reality and and the fact that there are so many things, uh, so many possibilities um, for 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 people holding holding a law degree. And one of them was, um, legal. I think I put legal operation and, and I put legal technology in there as well. So anyway, this this person basically messaged me and, and said I've ca- I've come across this iceberg of yours and it got me um, and, and and I was very miserable uh, I mean I've been a lawyer for years and I was very miserable in my practice of law and and I just I've just felt stuck because I didn't know what to do and I came across your iceberg which showed um, it was either legal operation or legal tech one of the two and she started to research it and she started to see uh, what roles um, uh, would be available in those fields and it allowed her to pivot and she said I- I've pivoted a few months ago and I'm so happy and I'm so glad I came across this post because it changed the the, the, the rest of my career and for the better and that really really moved me yeah
0: I remember that yeah so what I'm going to do is I will find that link to LinkedIn or to that, to your iceberg and yes. I'll put it in it the show wonderful. notes so people could take a look at what you're talking about. And that's exactly what it was. I should have yeah. pulled that earlier, but um, I just remember that you were talking about it and I could tell that you were so positive, positively impacted because this, this design that you had created really resonated with someone. And mm-hmm. if you would have just written something, like if you would have had just a text blog post. It might not have resonated the same way. They may may not ha- have ever read it, and that's kind of the beauty of design and images that we can oftentimes interpret interpret a lot of information fairly quickly from images or things that are just properly designed, right? Um, yeah, I just I had to I just wanted to bring that up because I remember that and it just really resonated with me too.
1: Oh yeah, and it, it kind of reminds the the saying uh, "a picture is worth a thousand words." Yeah, isn't it? the impact you can have with the with the power of visualization, and that's why I love visualization so much. And yeah. and, and I'm very surprised that in an industry like legal, where everything is so technical and so heavy, we haven't just thought of using visualization a lot earlier. And again, that's because we just think that our practice is so precious that you know we can't damage it with other mediums or you know when text is has to be the norm it doesn't need to be this way we can use videos we can use comics we can use infographics we uh we can use audio for that matter like we
0: just can use so many things that other industries are leveraging yeah so um where can people see some of your designs Sarah and Follow you and learn more about you?
1: LinkedIn, I would say. Um, the number one place is LinkedIn, uh, Sarah Weiss. And I'm also on Twitter, uh Low but How, and I'm on Instagram as well, uh, right. Designing Legal.
0: So your I, I will connect with these. Um, your LinkedIn is Sarah Weiss, and I'll put the LinkedIn in the show notes. And Instagram is law, but how, no, Twitter is law, but how? Yeah. And then your Instagram is what? Designing legal. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, Sarah, for sharing some of your personal um journey. It was absolutely fascinating. I'm really excited to see where legal design goes in the next um, few years. We'll see if the legal industry actually actively uptakes it, up, uptakes it, takes it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Thank you so much Sorry. for hanging out with me. Oh, thank you so much, Susie. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.